Locked in a Room podcast. Midnight edition. <laughs> Significantly later than midnight 5:30 edition. 5.30 in the morning edition. <laughs> I'm Liar. I'm Rat. And we're reviewing Drarara. Uh, episode 1 summary. Mikado Ryugamane moves to a suburb of Tokyo to meet up with his old friend Kido Masomi and experience the big city. He is soon swept up in a web of gang wars, companies, and the mysterious Black Rider. A rating out of 10. I was going to say 4, but I think I'm going to say 3 now. Okay, I, I agree. Like, that's kind of mean, but... Uh, spoiler free reason why we gave it a 3. Some warring gangs and an urban legend. Kids caught in problems too big for them to fix. Sounds like a recipe for a complex noir narrative. I wish that I could say that comes to fruition, however. Instead, Dorara gets caught up in non-chronological storytelling, ultimately wasting a ton of time while providing little in the way of relevant information. Through this wasted time, the pacing suffers greatly. On top of this already strained pacing, an abundance of cast members are all battling for screen time. These characters are heavily underdeveloped due to the wasted time, and with that, I hope I have demonstrated how the relatively minor problems with the series compound on each other to make a mess. Uh, should you watch it, or should you not watch it before we spoil it? You should probably not watch it. Yeah, you might If you're gonna it. watch it, if you really want to watch it, just like watch season one and then stop. That's a good. That's a good thing. It's like if you're like completely sold, or you have someone recommending it to you, or something, just watch the first season. Yeah, it's not that long. It's not like actually that bad. Yeah, I think we give the first. We'll talk about this later, but I think we give the first season like a five. Yeah, so it's so. not. It's not so bad. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's kind of middling, but yeah. What are you gonna do? Uh, spoilers past this point. So if you're not into that, leave. We have selected four subjects to discuss for the majority of the podcast. These subjects are Season 1, The Rest of It, A Buried Noir, and The Importance of Characters. For each subject, we have each written a paragraph independent from each other and will read it aloud. Then we will ask two questions each in an open discussion format. Season 1. The first season of the show presents an interesting, if somewhat unfocused, narrative. What eventually becomes the central focus of the three friends and the behind-the-scenes conflict between them is an intriguing story to be told, but unfortunately the telling ends up leaving a lot to be desired. The motivations and actions of Izaya are left deliberately vague, which I understand in the concept of building intrigue, but they're never actually resolved or explained. Similarly, the main thrust of Selty's narrative is left hanging for later seasons, despite largely being set up in this first one. But most of the other threads about what are, for this season, the main characters are brought together into a reasonably satisfying and grounded conclusion. Season 1 starts the ball rolling on some issues that will eventually grow to take the show to its grave, but they are not that bad here. For starters, the multitude of plot threads that are started and not followed up on, like Saika and Selty's head being yeah. issues created a sloppy and half-developed main story by taking up so much time. The main plot isn't always clear, and while that is not inherently an issue, it makes building tension and slow-burn-style narratives nearly impossible. I find myself wanting for a more focused narrative. I've heard a lot of people actually kind of praising this for not really having a quote-unquote main character, and I think we both agree that the narrative suffers mm -hmm. for that, but do you have any... Uh specific insight on as to why since this is the first time that it's like this is when it starts happening sure uh i think that in concept not having a main character is totally fine yeah like it's not inherently an issue it's not 
explicitly bad, but this narrative specifically, based on this, like, gang war that's happening, mm-hmm. and really the only people that are involved in that are the leads. Yeah. And everybody else is just related tangentially. Yeah. Uh, by focusing on people that aren't the leads, like Henri's Psycho Saga, mm. you take away a lot of much-needed expositional time and actual events happening towards the main narrative. So yeah. I don't know that it's actually a problem with not having a central main character. Like like people are saying, it's not that bad to not have one. So I don't think it's that it's that that's the problem. Inherently, yeah. Right. It's that the other characters that are not the quote main characters kind of don't do anything. But we still spend the screen time on them. Yeah, so if there were ten characters in the first season, there were so many more. But if there were ten characters in the first season, and four of them had to do with the actual plot, the other six are just, we're just burning time. Like, yeah. Shizuo and Isaiah's feud is, like, kind of related, but not really. Yeah. The Russia-Sushi thing is kind of related, but not really. The whole Celtic thing is kind of related, but not really. And it doesn't really offer any specific insight that would further the main narrative. Yeah, and it a lot of those are, like, setting up stuff for the future seasons, but then why are we doing it now? Right, exactly. And as we'll talk about more later, it actually comes around to hurt the show that they set it up now. Yeah. Why does this non-chronological style of narrative not work here? And why would it work somewhere else? I kind of have a twofold answer to this question. Okay. The first, and I do bring this up later, is that a lot of times they just end up, like, going back over. Like, they'll, like, show something happening. Flashback to before to provide context, which is fine. And then go back over what they already showed. Yeah. Which... Just wastes time. Yeah, it is like the dictionary definition of wasting time. Yeah. And secondarily, it will use the non-chronological storytelling and the bouncing back, bouncing around in time and all that kind of stuff. But most of them don't actually, like... Again, like the point of that is you show these different bits of information from different pieces of time and all that kind of stuff as the main... like. If you have a main character experience as it or however you want to, the order you want to convey it to the audience, and then like you sort of like build the web of information and it all mm-hmm. kind of comes together to a central point, but a lot of it just like see it does come together to a central point, but a lot of the time is spent on stuff that isn't involved with that central point. Yeah, I think that's kind of the 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 thing that I was fishing at was mm-hmm. when you flash back like that, you kind of expect that the pers- the new perspective you're getting is insightful in some way. But when like you said, when you go over the exact same events and you don't really gain any new information, especially new relevant information that would yeah. change your outlook on the situation. Yeah, and it kind of just turns it into a guessing game of which of these things am I actually supposed to care about. Yeah, exactly. They cold open with Isaiah. Yep. And, like, talking people into suicide. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to do a bunch of other stuff. 
be conniving behind the scenes kind of guy through the whole show. What's his actual like goal? What's he trying to do? The the tagline, if you the copy and paste tagline is like, oh, I love people, I love humans, and I love watching them. But that reads to me like We don't know. Right. That reads to me like we don't know. We just need this guy to push things forward because. Yeah. That reads as having a character that's just a blank check. Yeah, and like it hints at stuff. I think it even explicitly states like, oh, he's trying to create this big power struggle because he thinks the head will only wake up in like warfare or whatever. So he's trying to create this gang war for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But then the, the, I think that explicitly states at the beginning of like halfway through season one or something. Yeah. But then it starts doing the gang war stuff, and Isaiah and the head are nowhere to be found. Yeah. They, and then they kind of just forget about that. Yeah, they kind of do the whole, oh, let's just put the head on the shelf and leave it there for an entire season and a half. Yeah, I, I that's kind of my take on that, I guess, is Isaiah is a blank check. Like, his motivation is kind of vague and high-minded because now we can make him do whatever we want. Yeah, I think I agree. Some pluses for season one that going into the rest of the series, we lose. Uh, having the plot actually come to a conclusion to some extent. Mm-hmm. At least, like, a significant portion of it. Yeah, I think that's the the arguable main plot with the gang wars bubbling over does yeah. actually... Like boil it, over yeah it's set up it does it has the conflict happen it has a resolution and then it moves on yeah and you kind of just don't get that for the rest of the show i agree speaking of the rest of the show the, re- the, the rest of the show the rest of the show the rest of the show i will admit it was very difficult to stay focused on this show towards the end of the runtime as the frayed strands of plot dangle and twist into an incoherent mess that would require a miracle to fix. All of the aforementioned problems are elevated exponentially until they explode with errors, introducing new characters at such a blistering pace while also wanting a tight story filled with dramatic irony is a house of cards that gets built way too high, way too fast. Unfortunately, the rest of the show isn't handled as well as the first season. With the main conflict between the three characters that has thus far been the main focus has been resolved, the story loses its anchor and is set adrift. The plot wanders between various seemingly random events, leaving me waiting for the grand conclusion that brings everything together, but that never came. Without a greater narrative goal, a significant amount of the exposition rapidly loses its purpose, with entire episodes being devoted to discussing events that never actually happen. This leaves the watching experience being frankly tedious, as you know a majority of the vague for the, the sake of being vague dialogue won't actually end up mattering. What is the plot even about post the first season? I couldn't tell you. Because the Russians show up, another gang shows up. The little girl that's the daughter oh, of the mafia yeah. leaders that wants to kill Shizuo for reasons. Mm-hmm. There's the idol serial killer monster, there's... More Psyka fragments. Yeah, apparently they just, like, made a bunch of Psykas. There's the whole, like... Whatever the hell's going on with Mikado. Yeah, there's the whole whatever's going on with him and Izaya. There's the uh, incest 
triangle. Yeah. Point is, there's a... And, and then it kind of ends in the big zombie pit. Where the teacher from, like, the, the like first three episodes of season one comes back and is actually, like, big bad this time. Also, there's the blue squares coming back and being the dollars. Yeah, and that's kind of unclear and mostly off-screen. I... And then the dollars gets disbanded, but not really, and again, off-screen. Judging by, which is what they think the main plot is, judging by the conclusion? The, I think they think the main plot is the tension between Masaomi and Mikado. But, I, but like, when they met on the roof, we were both like, what is going on? Yeah, because Masomi disappeared for like a season and a half. Yep, and then Mikado disappeared for the part where Masaomi was around. Yeah, and so they've never been on screen together. Mikado's section where he was around, both of their sections where they were around, they didn't really do much. No. Like he signed on as leader of that like group. Yep. And started leading like purges, which never really explained why or who or to what end. Yeah. It was just kind of like, oh, Alba's manipulating him? And then he gets mark. a hold of some guns and some assassin equipment somehow. Yeah, and it's just very unclear what exactly is happening, why is it happening, and what's important the yeah. entire time. Yeah. What is the tone? Oh my god. Even in the last episode, because we... Just watched it a little bit ago. Yeah. So it's fresh in our mind. Even in the last episode, it, like, ends with the supposed emotional moment of Shinra and Celti. But, like, there's a joke in between there. Yeah. And it really fucks with all of it. Yeah, I can't decide if it's trying to be serious or if it's trying to crack jokes. And then, like, presumably Shizuo and, uh, Shizuo and... Izai are, like, both gonna die. Or one of them's gonna die. But there's also, like, slapstick Warner Brothers Acme running. Yeah. Frequently. And whatever his name is, uh, Shinra's dad just, like, shows up, like, enters stage right frequently. To crack jokes. Yeah. And it's, like, it's not like it's offensive that it's like cracking jokes about dark subjects it's just confusing do you want to be taken seriously or not it's yeah i agree it's very much like i think you're wanting this to be your emotional conflux but you're making jokes in it so i don't know yeah for the uh everything that's not season one selty's personality oh yeah just becomes whatever yeah she goes from driven i'm doing transport jobs to get by while i'm looking for my head because that's my ultimate goal to just oh well i guess i'm fine without it and then i'm gonna make funny emote with my hubby yeah and trap him in a ball because that's my husband and i love him very much Despite the fact that he knew where my head was the whole time. And gaslit and, me for years. So. And was hiding it from me. And... But I slapped him once. So it's fine. So it's fine. Yeah, it's very... Um, it's very touch and go with actually wanting a serious tone. Despite 
the entire narrative being based on you giving a shit about it. Yeah. Uh, out of all the different plot threads that are thrown at the viewer during these seasons, if you had to pick one to follow, which would it be? Besides the gang one, because that's pre- like, kind of not there anymore? Yeah. I mean, I wish the Celtie's head one wasn't shit. Yeah. Because it's kind of shit. That's the one that I think is the most interesting. So I guess that one, I can't remember what else there is. The incest triangle is fucking stupid. Yeah. The pharmaceutical company is stupid. I mean, I feel like that would be part of the, like, Celtie's head thing. Right, I suppose. The Isaiah Shizuo is kind of interesting, but then why is everyone else here? Right, exactly. Yeah, so the Celtie's head one, I think, is, like, the one that's actually, like, based in the canon already. Yeah. The rest of them seem to kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, Buried Noir? I love what Dorara thinks it is. With some improvements towards moment-to-moment dialogue and a more focused cast, more on that later, I think that this could have really been something. The score is there, like the music. The palette and character design is there. Now all that's missing is a decent writer to fill the wrapping paper with some actual substance. I find the dialogue patronizing as it provides a glimpse at what the anime wants to be, which is a character-driven drama that dances around a gritty city. This show wants very badly to be a noir crime drama, but it fails to understand how to actually make that work. It makes bold attempts at non-chronological storytelling, but oftentimes it will just reiterate things it already told you, a few times even fast-forwarding through scenes that it already showed you earlier in the episode. Again, I will lay most of the blame at the feet of a lack of focus for the narrative to move around. Many of the individual plots it lays out are actually really compelling, but none of them end up getting the space they would need to actually be anything. It genuinely feels like the scripts of five or six different mystery stories all got dropped into a pile and shuffled together. We're talking about this now. Uh, How would you define a noir story? How would I define a noir? Yeah. Uh, Well, I think it... I'm going to operate through the lens of how Dorara would tell it. What you could do is tell a very simple and short narrative hook about, I don't know, some gangs maybe. And then you just follow a character for a short period of time. And that character gives you insight on each gang. So instead of Team Yellow and Team Dollars, it would be oh, hang on, these yellow scarves are kind of fucked up. And then, oh, these dollars were created by accident, and they're not really controlled. And, yeah. oh, these there's some yellow scarves in the dollars. And while all of these things actually, the things that I just said, actually do happen in the show, they happen like six episodes apart from each other, as compared to make like a 24-episode show where you do this once every episode. So you learn slowly about the inner workings of each gang through the lens of different characters at different periods of time. You could just follow six characters or five characters, three from each gang. Yeah. And, you know, make like three episodes about each of them. Yeah. And it'd be more interesting. But you also have like this Celtic thing going on over there. And the Izayan Shizuo just take up screen time. And then Henri is around and mind-controlling people because, yep. Yeah, which they changed the rules on how that works. Right, because it's not mind-control, it's like zombies now. It's like zombies, and like before it was just like, oh, she can like 
kind of mind control them and now it's like nah not only can they mind can whoever's doing the psycho because there's like fucking six of them now mm-hmm. can mind control these people also all of them have their own individual psychos that they can use to infect other people yeah it's not great but yeah. i but yeah but regressing back to the the point um i guess that is an example of a direction the show could have gone anything that's just Keep it tight to, like, five characters and actually flesh out what happens yeah. as compared to make 35 characters and give them each a backstory and then, like, vaguely hint at something happening eventually and hope that the audience forgets. While we're talking about what the show could have been, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the... And noirs as a concept. I want to talk about the chat room as, like, an uh, exposition yeah. delivery method. Because I think that the show actually handles it extremely poorly. Yeah, I agree. But I love the concept because yeah. it has the whole dramatic irony thing of we as an audience know who everybody is in the chat, but nobody in the chat knows who anyone in the chat is, and they slowly figure it out through different yeah. methods. But the problem is, is that eventually you end up with like 15 people in the chat room. Yeah. And I, I don't... I can't remember that shit. And you start losing track of who's who. And, yeah. Then the dramatic irony crumbles. And yeah. then what do you have as a story? Yeah, and it would have made a good opportunity to be like, oh, providing context of, like, how it's affecting, like, the rumors around the city at large and stuff like that. And how much just, like, Joe Dirt down the street knows about what's going on and stuff like that. And right, exactly. Like a measure of the tension is like pe- random people in this chat room, even if it's not directly the characters, are like, oh man, there's a lot of. I'm seeing a lot of gangs shaking people down around town lately. Yeah, something they could have, must be going on. Kind yeah, of they could have shown that instead of actually just hard cut to gang shaking people down. They could have done that. They could they could have actually used the chat room to portray Isaiah doing any manipulating because they don't do that really. It's they kind of just implied for the most the part. They talk about like Isaiah won't shut up in the chat room about like all oh, the dollars the dollars the dollars right but it's not really clear what he's trying to manipulate people to do yeah i just think that's like a really emblematic part of this show that could be spun ever so slightly in the direction of a mystery and it would be great yeah but instead it's kind of just used as ah cut to the chat room people talking about nothing and then we're going to show what they were talking about anyway, even though we just talked about it. I think I just want to spend this time talking about how frustrating it is. Like this whole, whole situation. Yeah, this whole situation is. Okay. Because it's just like I can see the bones of the noir story that it wants to be. And I would be really into it. Yeah, exactly. And even some of the, like, the Henri Saika thing, kind of out of place in this story, but... But as, like, a, as, like, its own concept. Would be really cool, and it's just... And even Selty, I feel like, could act as, like, the, like, quote-unquote, like, supernatural, like... The, the, like, MacGuffin, if you will. Just having a, plot MacGuffin around that every, like, the three gangs are trying to, like, find it first... Because they think they can recruit it. 
or the uh, or like a almost uh, I want to say divine force, but not necessarily divine, but like yeah. something so like untouchably powerful to step in and be like and, and break the stalemate. Yeah, throw yeah. its weight around and break the stalemate just because nobody else can even hope to touch it, kind of thing. And that kind of again that kind of happens because she gets recruited to the dollars, but. Then, like, Psycho stuff starts happening, and then the blue square is the dollars and yellow scarves at the same time, and the blue square goes away, maybe, and... Yeah, and the dollars kind of fall apart, and it... Yeah. It's... Yeah, and it's a mess, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I feel like we spent a lot of time rambling about the plot to try and make the point of... It doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, it really doesn't, and I am trying to reserve talking about the plot to season one because x2 all of the arcs from x2 don't make any sense they kind of aren't about anything they just introduce a couple dozen characters and then we roll the roulette wheel of who's in the room talking about nothing but i get yeah it's just the point i was trying to make is it's just i can see what this show wants to be and i would love it but it's just not on that subject, what do you think is the show's biggest mistake? Maybe a turning point on the, like, where do you think it stumbles first? Or where do you think the biggest stumble is on the road to being good? As soon as, I feel like as soon as it makes it about basically anything other than these three high school students. Yeah, I think so too. And like, from more or less from their point of view and the things happening around them. Because as soon as it loses that narrative focus, it just kind of takes that as license to just show whatever happening, regardless of whether or not it's actually relevant to what's happening or not. Right, and even though we kind of said a little bit ago that it's not inherently bad to not have a main character, for a tight-knit narrative like this, you do have to keep your cast small. And it would be nice to, I don't know, meet the three people that are at the center of this because you really don't get to know them at all. Like, especially at the end, Mikado's motivations are completely nebulous. Yeah. Uh, On that note, the importance of having characters. Despite having dozens of characters, I feel as if I know none of them. With multiple groups of characters, all with underdeveloped motivations and unclear goals, script coherency is out the window. This is compounded by failed attempts at dramatic irony, as well as seemingly random alliances and rivalries being forced onto us. I wish I could keep up with the nuances of character relationships, but there are simply too many. While you can blame that on me if you wish, I will remind you that this series has 60 episodes and couldn't tell it in a clear way. This show is very clearly trying to be a character-driven narrative, but to be frank, it doesn't actually have that many characters. Selty's character completely shifts between season one and the rest of the show as as she gives up on what had until then been the entire driving force of her character. Masomi vanishes for the back three quarters of the show. Mikado just seems to be doing whatever the plot needs to make some tension right now. And Henri, despite having arguably the most fleshed out character and personality, doesn't do much of relevance. And that's not even bringing up the dozens of other characters... Mm-hmm that don't get enough screen time. All this just leaves a ton of dialogue that feels like the speaker could have just been chosen at random. What to trim and what to keep in terms of characters and plot threads? Get Isaiah's 
sisters, younger sisters out. Yeah, that's step one. Get oh. the do get the whole dojo thing out. Get the entire uh, yakuza out. Get the entire yakuza out. Uh, get all the Russians out. Yep. I kind of like Russian sushi as like this because because it's kind of just a gag. Yeah, it's kind of just a gag, and it acts as like this like meeting place slash enforced meeting uh, enforced truce area like mm-hmm. the like the hotel from John Wick kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's kind of like an embassy. Yeah, where Simon is like, oh, fighting's bad. So when you're at the Russian sushi restaurant, no matter who you find, you can't fight because Simon's really strong and mm-hmm. he's there to stop you from fighting. That's a good point. So, but get the rest of the Russian stuff, like uh, Verona and all of the other people, get them out. Depending on what you're doing, you probably want to get Psyche out. I think you get Psyche out. I think you cut all of the supernatural Psyche shit out. Uh, which you keep I, Henri, but you get Psyche out. Yeah, which is unfortunate because I like the, at least where that starts off. But yeah, I don't think that fits here. And get all of the, um, extra gang people out like Alba and the Catboy. Yeah, the Catboy. Yeah, get them out. Get what's his name, the Science Man. Oh, Shinra? Yeah, get Shinra's family out. Yep. I don't know why they're here in the first place. The they stepmother's don't here for, do for anything. three episodes and two of them has no speaking lines. Mm-hmm. So you cut the point is is you cut like twenty five characters. Yeah. The point yeah. The point is you can do that and not really affect the main thrust of the show at all. Right. Because you keep Isaiah Shizuo. Mikado, Masomi, and Henri. Yep, you keep those three. You keep Selty and you keep Selty and the Shinra. Science Man. Yeah, Selty and Shinra. And you keep the Russian sushi guy as kind of the embassy. Yeah. And then the gangs. That's actually an interesting exception, I think, to the massive cast rules. I feel like they, uh, the, the like dollars van people. I feel like the dollars van people actually get enough characterization, and they have like a fairly clearly defined role and they're kind of just like mobile sanctuary they're like the whiteout that gets spilled on the math problem we're like oh man this is a complicated situation and then they show up and like all of a sudden the tides turn i do kind of like having them around just to throw a wedge into things yeah and i feel like they got enough like support and stuff like that to make them all like a believable group of friends with... and they're not all characters they're it's like they're the van and everyone in it is a character. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that's a good thing to keep. And then just work with that. Yeah. Tell like a grounded, slow burn, character driven drama with that. And you don't end up with all this muddied water shit with the Russians and the Psyka. Like five people related to Psyka. The and the five people related to the Russians and the eight Yakuza people. and the... Yeah. You, you don't get all that. Which yeah. doesn't fucking matter anyway. And you get the Celty subplot as well. I feel like it just bears repeating at the moment. I think I'm going to spend my time on this. Of how Mikado, how his motivations and whatnot by the end of the show are just completely unknown. He waxes lyrical about saying that, oh, he's evil now and he can't stop being, like, doing bad things. So he's gonna die, he's gonna kill himself because he's doing so many bad things. But then when Selty stops him from doing that, he just 
He's like, okay, I'm good. As if his evilness was contingent on him just pulling the trigger once. Yeah, and even further back, like, his motivation is relatively clear. Season one, beginning of season two of like, oh, yeah, I, made the, the I made the dollars on accident, so I want them to not be, you know, terrible. Yeah, he has like some moral tie to that, and some characters think that he shouldn't. Some characters think that they should. he should abuse it. Yeah, and then it turns into he's working with that group to presumably make the dollars better. I don't know. It's kind of unclear. It they, He says that he's trying to get, like, the violent thugs, quote-unquote, out of the dollars, but then without any further information, it's just kind of implied that they're just, like, beating people up for no reason. And then the dollars get disbanded, kind of. Yeah, and then he talks about how he's trying to, like, make the city safe or something for... Uh, Masomi and Henri to like chill out basically, but then shoots Masomi. I don't. It, the point is, it's very unclear what one of the main characters, I guess, the one who it's focused on, at least in the first episode, and plays a major part for the plot throughout the rest of that, most serves as a sort of pseudo audience POV character some, most of the time, mm-hmm. is just completely unknown by the end of the show. Yeah. And it's tantamount to him just throwing a fit. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's the easiest thing I could have chalked it up to was, oh, uh, he's just, like, being a brat about it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to take my second question to talk about um, the dramatic irony mm-hmm. and how it's hard to follow and why dramatic irony works. Well, first of all, when you have 40 goddamn characters, it's next to impossible to keep track of who knows what. Right, because the show kind of, again, with the chat room, the show wants to do a thing where the audience knows who they are, but they don't know who they are, and then people are private messaging people, and so it's information trading hands. Mm. But that would require the audience to know who knows what to have any sort of narrative tension. Yeah, when you have so many characters to the point where it's just almost impossible to keep track of which chat username is which character. Mm-hmm. Like, the person towards the end, like, in the finale, there was, like, someone in the chat, like, calling out Mikado. I don't know who that was. Yeah, me either. They spent, like, multiple scenes about how there's someone in the chat just, like, railing, like, calling him out, like, basically asking for a challenge, and I could not tell you what character that was. Yeah. I have, like, three guesses, but that's about it. Yeah, and that's... It's just, it's the kind of thing where I feel like a lot of their um, dialogue might have actually landed if we were able to keep up with who knows what. But it's not even a situation where we didn't pay attention. It's just a situation of there were four dozen characters. Yeah. And eight of them were in the chat. Yeah, and it was... two of them were basically not characters at all. So that just kind of added hay to the needle. And again, the thing with dramatic irony is the audience knowing things the characters don't. That doesn't really work when you deliberately keep information out of the audience's hands. And that's, again, I think we've mentioned this before as well. That's not saying that we have to have perfect information or this show is bad. Because some ambiguity in a mystery can be nice. Yeah. But this is so vague that 
like you said, by the end, Mikado's intentions are completely mud. Yeah. Like, we have no idea what's going on. Do you think there's a way in which we're missing the point here? I don't know that it's supposed to be a mystery. Like, at its core, I think it's supposed to be a character-driven narrative, like we've been kind of alluding to. I just think that there's a possibility that you could add the mystery to it with Seldy's head. Um, But, I mean, there's always a possibility that we're wrong. It's just always there. Um, But I don't see any... Because what you're asking is not, like... Did we miss the story? It's did we no. miss the point? Did we miss what the audience is supposed to be enjoying about this show? Yeah, like did we come at this with the wrong framing? Yeah. And based I, on wanting like a noir mystery out of it. I don't think so because what else would you get out of it if you wanted a character driven narrative? There's too many characters and they don't get enough screen time. If you wanted a noir mystery you'd have less characters again. Mm. If you wanted an action show, there might be some action in it. Yeah. I don't know. Although my my brain responds to that of like, well, yeah, if you could imagine what it was, you wouldn't have missed it. Right. So, but I think I that don't. this wanted to be a character study. Yeah. Or rather like a slow burn drama mm. based on character interactions and dramatic irony and had so many characters that the boat sank. Yeah. And everything else is completely second to that. Yeah. Conclusions. Durara's greatest crime was being boring. In attempting to weave an intricate web, it got lost and ended up with a tangled mess of loose ends and abandoned threads that that just left me numb. Although the animation generally holds up, the other parts of the production can't seem to hold their own. I hate to sound like a broken record, but focus is what was lacking. Dorara had 60 episodes and always felt like it was running itself up against the clock because it was overburdened by too many characters. Ratings. Ratings. You go first. Season 1, I gave a 5. Dorara X2 Arc 1, I gave a 4. Dorara X2 Arc 2, I gave a 3. And Dorara X2 Arc 3, I gave a 2. Uh, Dorara Season 1, I gave a 4. Dorara X2, I gave a 3. Dorara X2, second arc, I gave a 3. Dorara X3, X2, fucking goddammit. Yeah. Dorara X2, third arc, I gave a 2. Next time? Next time. Orange. Orange! Orange.